The Pat Kenny Show with Matter Private Network on News Talk. Now we're joined by Professor Luke O'Neill, Professor of Biochemistry at Trinity College in Dublin. Luke, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Now, a, a few news breaking things. Uh, the uh, new drug that might have an effect on Alzheimer's. Yeah. It's been announced, uh, you know, seen as a massive breakthrough, is it? Well, it's, it's in the right direction, Pat, I suppose. There's a 20% benefit overall, it seems, in the study, which isn't too bad, you know. But it certainly seemed to slow down cognitive decline in the treated group, you know, and that was an, a nice thing to see. What's important is it confirms a hypothesis called the beta amyloid hypothesis that that protein builds up in the brain, causes Alzheimer's. This clears that protein and seems to be beneficial to people, I guess. But it's still and, and a relatively small You're saying effect. slow. Um, would it stop it? I mean, if you keep on taking this thing, it's an in- is it an injection every two weeks or yeah. something like that? You just keep clearing the plaque. That's keep- right. That's right. And of course, what happens now is that it's like fingertips on a cliff face in a way. They've seen it work, statistically work in these patients. Can you now improve it? And maybe get 30, 40, 50% effect. In. And the, yeah. the future trials now will test that. Maybe different doses, different timings. So now that it'll start the process. And it'll been around for a while, by the way. There's other drugs that are very similar that showed similar effects. But this is the first, one of the first trials that shows a really clear benefit. Okay, so this is a signpost for uh, other people, people like yourself in your lab. You might yeah. kind of head along that direction. That's right, yeah. Confirms a hypothesis is the way to think of it. And now people jump on that and make it even better, as the idea. So lots of hope. Yet again, hope is the word we often use, isn't it? But this is a good sign. You've been on your travels. You've been talking to your fellow immunologists all over the place. Um, A growing consensus as to the cause of COVID. Yeah, there was a striking thing about three days ago, Pat. I was in Brazil at this conference. And around the table, there were some very eminent immunologists. And we we talk COVID a lot, you know. And the consensus is it was a lab leak. Many people now say, look, even though there's no direct evidence, because things were destroyed and so on. But there's so much circumstantial evidence now that looks more and more likely it was an accident. And the lab in Wuhan, remember, were growing coronaviruses. That's what they did. That, That was their day job, if you will. So they think now maybe someone dropped the test tube or yeah. a likely thing was it grew it grew to such an, a, a very high concentration in the test tube much more than in the natural world and then someone took that into their body and it began growing in the body you wouldn't pick up that dose normally from the wild you see only in a lab context yeah. and again purely purely accidental and then that person might have gone to the market or, or gone home now again we still don't fully know because there's no smoking gun but certainly mm-hmm. my, my talking to immunologists was the consensus is it most more than likely was a lab leak yeah. that started this whole um, thing Could that ever be proven and if so I mean, if it's an accidental lab leak, is anyone responsible? I mean, you are responsible, I suppose, in law, but will anyone take you to task? Well, this is the issue. So the question now is, should China be sued over this? And, and there is some kind of court of arbitration that you could go to and say, look, this is an accident and there was l- lack of proper procedures there, say, and you're to blame, you know. And again, that's being discussed as well. Yeah. Now, what would you sue them for? I've had trillions of Were the Americans not involved in that lab as well? That, well, that's another issue. The, the Americans were collaborating with yeah. the lab in Wuhan, you see, and they were part of it, and that complicates things of it as well, you see. Yes, it does. <laughs> but certainly what strikes me is it's still a work in progress. I mean, they're still trying to get the evidence where did this damn virus come from, you know? And, and the needle has shifted slightly is, is the best way to put it, towards the lab yeah. leak. Because if you have this um, very damaging uh, virus that's in the lab, and then we see it in, in the wild with Alpha and Delta and Omicron and BA4 and BA5 and all the rest. Now, I'm not going to jump the gun and say that it's mitigating in its effect but in yeah. the wild it does seem to be diminishing in its effect it does as well yeah that's right so something strange happened in the lab and, and we think it's more than likely going to be concentrating it into a very high concentrated solution yeah. and that then really infects someone in the wild it's too dilute 
if you see what I mean, and can't really infect people. And it's a good thing, Pat, by the way, if it is in the yeah. lab, because it's less likely to happen again. If it's in the wild, it could happen any time. Another virus might jump from a bat into us. But because it was, a, if, it, if it is a lab thing, that's not the worst case scenario, is the way to think of it. Yeah. Um, it might explain why the Chinese are uh, so restrictive in their controls of COVID compared to the rest of the world now. Could They're be. still at it. Could be, yes, exactly. Yeah, because they have concerns as well, of course, all the time. And, yeah. and remember, there are still many labs working on coronaviruses. You've got to make sure those labs are fully sort of yeah. appraised and they are doing the right thing all the time. Yeah. Now, you know? now uh, the topic we wanted to talk about today was uh, progress on long COVID and trying to understand why some people have it. Uh, and why some people don't, and what is what do you have when you have it? Yeah, and what are the the, the biological markers? Exactly, yeah, the, the three big unknowns Pat, that were left with COVID. By the way, let's reiterate them again. Uh, one is will a new variant crop up? We don't know. It might. The waning of the vaccines, and do we need to boost? And, and maybe the fourth booster will suffice, but we don't know. The third is long COVID. That's that, and that probably the third one's the most important, I think, because many people have it. I mean, the latest data is suggesting one in ten have long COVID. And as many as half of those have severe long COVID. Now we're talking symptoms six, nine, twelve months post-infection, okay. and it's fatigue, it's brain fog, it's depression, all those kinds. Of, and what's happening is, we've had a massive shift of researches into long COVID. Now, so my own lab, for instance, we've now shifted working towards long COVID because it's such a massive problem. And remember, it's, it causes despair. You know, debilitation, all kinds of things happen. So. Now, what's this story about that long COVID, whatever uh, is causing it or making individuals susceptible to it, about reactivating the Epstein-Barr yeah. virus? Yeah, there's two, two th- again, this week. I mean, every week there's new discoveries, yeah. as, as you and I know. The big one this week was a group in Yale have noticed if you have long COVID, you have lower cortisol, first of all. That hormone seems to be less in the long COVID people. And secondly, Epstein-Barr virus has woken up in your body. Now, EBV is a well-known virus. Causes, so we all have it. We all have it anyway, exactly. It causes glandular fever is yeah. the usual thing. It goes latent in our bodies, you see. And, and there's a link to MS, as we may have discussed before, too. So EBV is a very interesting virus. But now, lo and behold, if you've had COVID, it might wake up EBV. And what that means is you've got a constant viral infection burning away in your body, causing all those symptoms. And the low cortisol is interesting. If cortisol falls, that makes you feel tired. So again, that, that might explain the um, the fatigue okay. symptom. Now, very importantly, if if this pans out, now, by the way, Pat, as ever, it's the first study. It's a hund- hundreds of patients. That's quite good. But this is good because you can now say to your employer, I've got long COVID. Here's the evidence. You know, I've got, I've got low cortisol, EBV, bang. I'm now a long COVID patient. Secondly, let's go after this. Let's boost cortisol or let's target EBV to treat long COVID. So there's two really good benefits from this. Mm-hmm. The diagnosis, I suppose, is what you'd call it. And then, and then possible treatments. Now, what about clotting? Yes, that's the second thing. Absolutely. The second thing that's emerged is uh, one in three long COVID patients have a clotting abnormality that goes on for months and months and months. And what seems to be happening is that what I call micro clots are still in your lungs. They're still in your brain. They're around your body. And again, that will cause symptoms because if you have clots in your lungs, your lungs won't work as well. You get fatigue and so on. So it seems to be a clotting abnormality. And and this is the thing my lab is working on, by the way. Funny clots have formed and they keep forming for months and months and months. And And can you take clot busters routinely to try and stop that happening? Well, once this was discovered, uh, they start trials immediately. Now, there are two big trials running. One involves over 4,000 patients, another involving 1,000, where they're giving anticoagulants to see if they can treat this these symptoms you see. And the, the first trial is very clever. They've got what they call standard of care, what they use at the moment, anti-inflammatories in one arm, antihistamines, interestingly. There's some evidence of histamine being out of control. Okay. And then anticoagulants. And, and those four groups will now be treated for three months. And the doctors will go, well, look, is there any benefit? 
the, the hope here, the anticoagulants will be the one you have your money on, may resolve that clotting and now the symptoms may begin yeah. to go away. But then so you need a, another group that will have two of the four and then another well, group that will have three of yeah, the four. Yeah, and they then, could go so on forever. But certainly that, that first trial, it's called a phase 1B, yeah. if they get an effect, that would be wonderful. Now, you know? The best thing we can do is avoid uh, COVID in the first place. Now, what about the latest on all the boosters and so on, particularly the bivalent ones, you know, the tailored for BA4 and BA5? Yeah, that's right. So that, that's the, that, and in Ireland now we have the bivalence as well. You've seen us. Some are using uh, BA5 and the original strain. Some are using BA1, Omicron. They're, they're the two bivalent yep. vaccines. The US is using BA5. I think it is in Europe is using BA1. So they're now being used that you can use them as the vaccine. There isn't any necess- necessarily any evidence that they're any better than the monovalent, by the way. That's still being worked on. But it makes sense to use the latest variant that's out there and use that in your vaccine. So now we've moved into the phase of using bivalent vaccines as the booster shot. Yeah. And we're, and we're again, starting it here in a few days' time, the 3rd of October. We are indeed. And the good the good news is, Pat, uh, the waning will get down as low as 50%, by the way, in people. So, so you've, you've lost half your protection. The booster brings it back to 85-90%, and that will wow. work with either bivalent one. And, the, and, and the, the, again, fantastic evidence in America and the CDC have shown the level of boost. You're, you're, you're restoring your protection, if you will, back up to 80-90% by taking that fourth booster shot, hence okay. the importance of it, you see. So yeah, you have one, two, which is your regular vaccines, a uh, couple of weeks apart. Then you have one booster one, booster two. Yep. Uh, October 3rd will be booster three, I think. That's for right. Us. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and then maybe there'll be another one uh, well, before the winter. If, if, if we're lucky, the, the last booster may give you the, the full response that'll last for months and months and months. That's, that's the unknown. That's the so waning hard. idea there is still there, you see. But certainly, this is the thing to do. This is the only thing we can do, of course, by the way, with vaccines, is to just boost. And then we know the boosting is restoring protection. So that's, that's the way that's going to go. Luke O'Neill, Professor of Biochemistry at Trinity College in Dublin. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Now, The Pat Kenny Show with Matter Private Network. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.